Good morning. Not good night, although hopefully it will be a good night school. You know, for as many nails, let me rephrase that. You know, considering how many nails are all around us at any given time, I think about them very little. And I'm talking about nails. Nails. N-E-L-L-Z, you know. Nails, as in hammer and nail. And granted, I'm not a carpenter. So maybe if I were a carpenter, I'd be thinking about nails all the time. But the word nail, it comes up constantly. And nails are truly all around us at any given time. Unless you're in the middle of the woods, unless you're in the middle of nature, if, you're, if you are around civilization, you are surrounded by nails. Everything's built with nails. Some things are glued together, but there's a lot of nails. If you really want something to stay together, you got to use nails. Nails. Uh, and I think about it very little. I think about the fact that, you know, the furniture that's around me, the, the house I'm in, is held together by just, you know, some strategically placed nails. Some people who knew where to place those nails. They had to know. But I was thinking about the ways in which, you know, we nail things down to ourselves and how so much of our identities are simply nailed together, too. Because you think about your identity and, and you're just, even something like the career you end up in, you know, your you know, wife or your husband, whoever you end up with, all of that. And, uh, you know, after the fact, it sometimes seems like it might have been more strategic or deliberate, like a well-made house. You know, they knew where to put the nails. I guess even in a house that isn't well-made, they knew where to put those nails. But in life, you know, you're being told growing up, you're like, you better, uh, you know, you better know what you're going to do. You know, growing up, you know, as far as what college you're going to go to, the certain choices you're going to make, you're basically being told that you have these nails available to you and you're going to need to put them somewhere. You're going to need to nail something down. And that's an interesting phrase, nailing something down. Because uh, what it means basically is, you know, until you put those nails, in, unless, until you actually securely place those nails into something, you're not good at it, or it's not really a part of you. It could be any kind of skill, any kind of hobby. It could be something important, you know, learning something on a job, learning how to draw. I don't have it nailed down yet. It could be something highly specific, like drawing a specific type of thing. I, you know, I, I've always wanted to draw horses, but I, I just don't have it nailed down yet. But the idea of nailing something down means it becomes part of you, it becomes integrated with you. So you can do it well, or do it often, often and well. Well nails. Um, how come you don't hear that? You never hear that, like like nails as a sort of, like, oh shit. Well nails. Like something doesn't go your way, and it's like, well nails. Nails to that. For as much as we use the word nails, you know, in all sorts of metaphorical uh you know, ways, uh, you know, we don't really use it that negatively. And I'll get into that in a second, the negative use of na negative nails. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, the idea of nailing something down basically means it's become integrated with you. 
you can do that thing that you wanted to do, but it's become a part of your identity when you nail something down. And the idea of faking it till you make it, you know, when you go through a phase, say you discovered a... some new you discovered punk rock and now you you wanted you 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 had to use your dad's leather jacket cuz you couldn't find a really cool one like the ones you see on album covers so you pulled your dad's you know stupid leather jacket out of the closet and we all know what a stupid leather jacket looks like uh, the thrift stores are filled with them and uh so and you put like a couple safety pins on it and you look like an idiot <laughs> and you don't you don't you don't look like the guys on the album covers that's for sure uh, you don't have it nailed down you know you don't have that look nailed down and you're you're searching for that identity you're looking for an you're looking for an identity of some kind and i don't know how to like i don't know how to emphasize the word a n and and have it sound good, so it just sounds like I'm stuttering. N <laughs> sounds like I'm saying just the letter N <laughs> nails. Uh, but no, there's that idea where it's like faking it till you make it. You don't quite have it nailed down, uh, and it goes for some sort of identity. And when we're growing up, yeah, we do just pull out that shitty leather jacket, uh, and you know maybe someday that leather jacket will be the cool one but for now it's definitely not the cool biker leather jacket you're looking for uh but you fake it till you make it and eventually you find the leather jacket you're looking for or you somehow make it work or you give up on that phase entirely but there's a lot of people who eventually become that thing they wanted to be they fake it till you they make it they nail it down and nailing it down goes for you know fashion you know and that's basically what I'm talking about here, some kind of subculture fashion where eventually you look the part, you have it nailed down. And then you hold on to that. People do. Not everybody. You know, a lot of us go through phases. Maybe some sort of punk rock phase isn't the best example. Uh, but, you know, there are many things that we kind of grab onto along the way. You know, we just think it's going to give us something at the time, and then we don't let go of it. Because uh, it's given us that identity we were looking for. And, yes, yeah, some identities are given to us. You know, some things are, you know, prescribed when we were born. Uh, you know, you know, certain characteristics of who you are, are are told to you and, you know, are biologically reinforced. Uh, a lot of them are. There are a lot of those. And uh, whether you want to challenge those or not, I, I guess it's up to you. I don't know. I think you should give it a lot of consideration what you're what you are actually challenging or fighting. Uh, but yeah, there's things that are given to you. Like people nail things to you. They nail identities to you. And those truly are nailed. You know, those are things that are nailed to you in so many ways. Like they're kind of fixed. Uh, but then you throughout your life you begin nailing things to yourself. And sometimes it is very arbitrary. You know, and you forget that. You forget how arbitrary it all is. And going back to what I was saying a little bit ago about the, the, the idea of a job, you know, when you're in school, you're told, oh, you got to go to college, you got to do this, depending on, you know, your background, depending on what opportunities are available. I'm talking about basically a middle class person in America today uh, is encouraged to go to college, you know, whether they have to take on, you know, whether they have to have debt nailed to them, you know, little uh, debt notices nailed to all over their body later on is another question. But, you know, college is considered the thing to do, I guess is what I should say. Uh, 
but you know, even that's a pretty arbitrary choice. Like, oh, these are the ones I can get into. These are the ones, oh, this is my first choice, this and that. Like, this is the one that offers this course of study. Well, why do you want to pursue that course of study? Uh, it's something that, you know, you, I don't know, is, is that any different than your dad's leather jacket? You know, is deciding to go to a certain school because you think a certain subject is the one you want to pursue because you think that a certain career is the one that you want to pursue. Is that any different than just kind of finding your dad's leather jacket and hoping that you can pass for whatever it is you want to be? Uh, maybe some people have a very strong sense of purpose throughout their entire lives. Like as a little kid, they know they want to be a doctor. I've always known I wanted to be a uh, to be a uh, gastroenterologist, uh, like my uncle, like my father, like like both of them. Because uh, sometimes that you know when you when there's a kid who's like they know from the time they're five years old they want to be a gastroenterologist. Sometimes it is because their parents put that in their head or because they came from a family of that. So even then, even when someone does have that strong sense of purpose, that's something that was nailed onto them. It was nailed into them, nailed in and on, in and on. Uh, and they end up going down that route, and that becomes a very strong sense of identity. If you're a doctor. If you're a doctor, that's a very strong identity, more than most careers, really. It's so strong that you put it as a prefix before your name. And if you're an asshole, you ask people to call you that even when you're not doing doctor stuff. <laughs> you know, I'd prefer to be called doctor all the time. That'd be a good name, doctor all the time. <laughs> if that was the actual name of the doctor, I'm doctor all the time. Uh, but no, some people, that, that becomes a very strong identity, being a doctor, getting your doctorate in anything. Uh, at a job I had uh, that involved like presentations and guest speakers that were hired for the company, uh, uh, we would sometimes get people who had their doctorates. And it was interesting, sometimes there would be like a debate, like sometimes they would really demand to be called doctor instead of even their given name. Like, during the presentation, make sure you call me doctor. And that was always fun. But they earned it. They, you know, they they put them nails in. Uh, but, you know, so often we see that. we Like, someone's a doctor, and we just think, oh, those are some, those are some strategically placed nails. You know, that's not just... Uh, just randomly like hammered in, you know, those nails were, were hammered in to those persons, you know, right into the joints of that person's body, you know, uh, th those, all those nails are in just the perfect places, like a piece of per uh, a furniture, like when you see where nails have been placed to hold a desk together, it's like, oh yeah, th that's where you have to put them to hold it together. They're not just randomly hammered in all over. And even if that works, even if that still has the same effect, you know, we got to conserve our nails, even though they're fucking everywhere. Uh, <laughs> you know, even though nails are fucking everywhere to the extent that we're terrified of stepping on them. Uh, we got to conserve our nails and put them in just the right place. We can't just hammer them in anywhere. Uh, but so often, you know, we as people hammer those nails in anywhere. It's like you have to make a decision on what college to go to. And then at college, you got to decide what you're going to major in. And after you graduate, you decide what kind of job you got, you got to get, and you're going to take what you can get. And taking what you can get is, uh, you know, definitely kind of arbitrarily hammering some nails into you. Even if you're not planning on staying with it, so often you do. It ends up your thing. And it's like, you know, when someone asks you, like, what do you do? 
So what do you do? Uh, what what kind of identity did you hammer into yourself? Did you where'd you put them nails? And the, the whole like what do you do kind of thing. And like if someone's a cash register or a cash register, if someone's a cashier at McDonald's, you know they're not going to be excited necessarily about saying, "Well, I'm a cashier at McDonald's. I'm a cashier at McDonald's." Uh, you know, someone's not necessarily going to be excited to tell someone that. And I had, you know, I met someone I hadn't seen in like 15 years. Like I met this kid that I went to elementary school with, and I, I hadn't seen him since elementary school. And he, of course, in a in scripted fashion, was like, "So what do you do?" This is some years back. And I hate that question, you know. I truly hate that question. And I get that it's just small talk and there's nothing offensive about it. And I didn't do this. I didn't do what I'm doing right now and just like expound on a bunch of bullshit. I just told him something simple, I'm sure. I don't I don't even really remember. But this kid, he he had become a like his dad runs like an orthopedic thing like they they basically design like orthopedic uh like fake feet or something you know for people who have lost feet they they design that and he's just you know does some sort of important sales job for this company and cool that's obviously this guy's identity and his dad does it too his dad runs the company uh, and he was a nice kid it's not like i'm using him as some example of something bad uh, but it's just it, it's it's just a, a very easy answer to that question. Oh, you know, well, I'm I'm in orthopedics, you know, that, that kind of thing. And meanwhile, I'm thinking, I remember when you snitched on kids for having a Playboy magazine in the woods in elementary school. And I remember watching you snitch. <laughs> are you still snitching? Uh, in between selling orthopedics, are you still snitching on people for looking at Playboys, for keeping Playboys in the woods, huh? Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's like, I remember that little piece of your identity, kid. Uh, and again, no offense to to him, this kid that I'm never going to talk to again. But uh, it's, it's funny when you get that question, like, what do you do? What have you nailed into yourself? And it's not just jobs and all that. It's something people do. Like, I use the example of, you know, the punk rock teenager who you know, wants to become the guys on the album covers, you know, it's, it's 1996, you know, I, I'd love nothing more than to look like a, a British uh, punk rocker from 1976, you know, so I'm going to do whatever I can, and sometimes people do hold on to that, you'll look at people, they commit to it, uh, they get the tattoos, they get the, the right piercings, they make the right, they reinforce it with their social circle, with their interests, and God forbid they lose any of that. Because they've nailed those things into themselves. They've nailed that identity down, and they are that. They are that now. And God forbid they lose that. What would they do if they lose that? I mean, that's what some people experience when they're fired from a job, you know, and it's not, you know, being part of some subculture isn't that much different from being part of a job. I mean, every job develop, develops its own subculture, and, and you see that, you know, in the same way people ask, like, so what do you do? And they're not asking, like, well, what do you do? Like, what kind of breakfast do you eat? Uh, what do you read? What do you, what do you pay attention to? They're not asking, like, what you physically do. They're asking you for this, this basic rundown of your identity. And what that means is, like, where do you go for eight hours every day? And how do you earn your money? Uh, but, you know, it's the same thing, you know, some people wear that on their sleeve with their interests, with they, they get in deep into some kind of culture or subculture, and uh, it's hard for them to let go of that, but sometimes they're forced to. 
sometimes that identity conflicts with other things in their life. Um, sometimes people just do it to meet somebody, to like impress a girl. Like think about all the times like growing up, like not that I did this that much or anything, but there are little ways I, I looking back in which I did. Uh, like, oh, I pretended to give a shit about that thing that I had no interest in and was actually repelled by. Uh, and, you know, if, if that forms a relationship, like if, if you do that and that somehow, like if, if you say want to impress somebody, you know, romantically, and I really like her, I just, I, I, really, I want her to like me, you know, and it's like, see, so you end up, you know, feigning interest in something well, and that relationship works out, uh, even if it's not, even if it doesn't work out because of that, like, feigned interest in something, well, good job, because you just nailed something into yourself, you know, you just nailed uh, another thing into your life, and in this case, it's something you don't even care about, uh, but hey, if, if the bigger picture is that relationship, if a bigger picture is love, then I guess it's worth nailing some identity to yourself. It's like, oh, I, you know, I didn't actually give a shit about poetry readings, but she thinks I do because I acted excited about it to impress her, and now I have to go to poetry readings for the rest of my fucking life. And meanwhile, you don't know that that was just some some bullshit that she didn't actually care about, that she, uh, you know, was she she was desperate for an identity, and so she went to a poetry reading and. And then now she can't let go of it because it's become a part of her identity. And so now you're both in this relationship where you go to poetry readings when neither of you even actually gave a shit, but it's nailed into you and it's nailed into the relationship. And now you're nailing each other because that's another funny thing is how people refer to sex as, you know, I nailed her. And, it, you know, there's an obvious physical component to that. It's a mostly physical thing. But I think it goes deeper. I think it goes deeper to think about nailing someone. If we're talking about identity and, you know, uh, nailing things into yourself, I think, you know, I think who you sleep with is absolutely a reflection of your identity. And if it isn't in that moment, it will become that. And if if you're one of these people who's like, oh, well, sex just doesn't matter and, you know, uh, who you have sex with doesn't matter. It's just lust and it's fleeting and, like, you know, that fleeting lust is not a reflection of who I am. Well, that speaks for itself, too. That if, if you're just having sex with a bunch of people arbitrarily, I mean, that's definitely an identity. You know, that's that's an even stronger identity, I think, than the person who is heavily influenced or somehow absorbs some element of the person they sleep with. And I don't necessarily mean they absorb parts of their personality or that those people are, you know, a very, like some clear, uh, I, don't, I, I don't think it's that explicit, uh, although all of this is explicit. Talking about nailing people is a pretty explicit topic. Um, but, you know... I, I just can't really separate, I, I, I can't really, I, I don't know, I can't really separate the fact that who someone sleeps with is somehow a reflection of their own identity. At the end of the day, I just, I can't really separate that idea out. Uh, I just think it's a basic truth. Um, so in that way, nailing someone is very much nailing them to your identity. In some way, you absorb part of them for the rest of your life. And if procreation is involved, I think what better example is there than having children? Uh, having a child with someone, you know, merging your, you know, 
your biological data, you know, is a clear way of nailing yourself to that person forever. Uh, and that's maybe a topic we're talking about at another time. Maybe not. Probably not. I don't want to nail myself to that topic. Uh, but no, I, I do think that, you know, sex and who you sleep with is absolutely an extension of your own identity. And uh, if it's not an extension of who you were prior to having sex with somebody, it definitely is afterward. Uh, and so often, though, it is arbitrary. So often our choices in those matters are arbitrary. Uh, and, you know, just like your career, you could end up with just a random career and it becomes who you are. You, you know, you go out to lunch every day with other people who have the same career as you and it's all you talk about. And, you know, as a friend of mine likes to point out, like, you know, the subculture of female <laughs> male carriers, you know what I mean? Uh, female male, uh, no, but it's like everything forms like a subculture, and that can include, you know, the mailman. And those people meet together. They have their own insider talk. They have their own everything. And, you know, we form these little subcultures based on our identities. And even if it's not important, it's like you can easily get sucked into that. But it all is so random. It all is so arbitrary. And as much as we want to look at people and be like, oh, well, he's a doctor. He put those nails you know, into his shoulder blades very strategically. It's like you don't think about all the nails that are like hammered randomly into his rib cage and hammered, you know, here and there. And it's like you think, oh, because he's a doctor, he knew exactly where to place those nails. And yeah, if they're a doctor, maybe they were a little more deliberate in their life choices. But what even led them to make those choices? You know, like what, how much of that was fully formed? You know, how much of that was deliberate? And so much of our lives are filled with just hammering random nails in. And we pick up these identities. We pick up these, uh, you know, life experiences. And there's fucking nails everywhere. You know, I'm not a carpenter, obviously. And I do have experiences, though, of hammering things together. And especially growing up as a kid, you know, your first experience of the hammer and nails, you're just putting that shit in wherever, and even if you built something, even if you put a few pieces of wood together and you actually made them stand up, God knows what you made, a shelf, I don't know. Uh, it, you know, it's still very, even if you just hammered them in wherever and you got the whole thing to work right, it's like those nails are just like all over the place. And it's basically through trial and error that you even got it to hold together and you feel proud because you're a kid and you're like I hammered something together I put these wood pieces of wood together uh and but think about that like you know if we go back to like the metaphor of it you know you did that when you were a kid and you picked up your first hammer and nails while your dad was building something and he let you do something and you just kind of winged it and kind of put something together but it's a mess and you think about your life and growing up as a kid and all the choices you're making and you really are just hammering nails in randomly and the fact that some things held together the fact that you ended up making these life choices the fact that you ended up going to this school having this you know significant significant other uh, the fact that you ended up with this career and these interests, how much of those just came from hammering in tons of nails and some of them stuck in the right places to get those interests? And who's to say they are the right places? You think they are because they've become you. They've become your identity. And God forbid you lose your identity because that's what happens when those things fall apart. 
That's what happens when your wife leaves you. That's what happens when you get fired from your job. That's what happens when you find out, you know, oh, you know, this thing isn't cool anymore. All these clothes I invested in, uh, this haircut I got isn't cool anymore, you know, and I I'd invested in it. And that's what a nail is. It's an investment. And that's a really good way of, of looking at it. You know, for as cheap as nails are, you know, for as widely as available as they are, you know, we do think of them as, you know, I've, I can't waste nails because they are an investment. I'm investing in this, whether it's the physical act of hammering something, of pounding a nail into a piece of wood, uh, you know, that's an, a physical investment as well as the investment of using that nail, using your limited supply of nails, uh, Uh, but that's how it feels, you know, in the bigger sense of, you know, forming this identity. And then when that falls apart, you're like, fuck. So what I enjoy doing, you know, is is pulling those things apart. And the last few years, I've been doing a lot of that. And it came from, I don't know, just some innate, I don't know what it was. I think it was just going through a dark time, feeling like my soul was in some form of crisis and not knowing what to do about it. And thinking that I was not feeling stuck necessarily, you know, although that's that fits well with all of this, because like that's what happens when you nail something down is it gets stuck to you. It gets stuck together. But really questioning, you know, how important certain ideas were, certain philosophies, certain interests, uh, everything. I mean, it really it was just I decided to take a comprehensive look at everything I was doing, everything I had done, everything I wanted to do, and say, you know, what have I just nailed in to myself that is that I keep that I keep. What what are the things that I've nailed into myself that I keep there because I don't want to put the effort to undo them because I'm afraid of what will happen if I undo them. Like, am I going to die? Am I going to want to kill myself if I if I can't be as passionate about that form of music that I once cared about? If I know, am I not, am, am I not going to want to draw again? Am I going to have to like not talk to the people I care about anymore because? You know, I, I won't have that shared identity. Will I not, you know, what's going to happen? But it was so alluring. The idea of doing that was so attractive to me that I had to do it, and I'm still doing it. it. You know, it's not something you can just do overnight, because I feel like that's another trap that people fall into, is like, you've nailed all these things to yourself throughout your life, and you're like, well, I'm going to pull them apart and see what happens. I know that I need to pull them apart because it's not working, and I've held on to these things, and I, I just need to pull them apart. I need to like use that other, other end of the hammer, that weird, that weird side of the hammer that I don't really think about very much, but I'm going to actually use it. It's there. It's there, you know. Uh, in the same way that hammers are designed to nail things in, every hammer is designed to pull nails out, so I might as well use that weird split side of the hammer, whatever the fuck you call it. Now, I never thought about like the individual parts of a hammer and what you call them, because the whole thing is just a hammer. Um, uh, but I might as well use that, and uh, that becomes another identity, though. <laughs> that's the that's the trap you can fall into, and I don't know whether it's a trap, but to me, I think in those terms, I think of things as traps and tricks, traps and tricks. The name of my next autobiography: Nails and Traps and Tricks. Traps and tricks and nails. 
but that becomes another identity is pulling that stuff apart. And you see that a lot when someone, you, people have makeovers, people have transformations. They read a self-help book and they start telling everybody about it. They find God and they won't shut up about it. It becomes their new identity. Pulling apart that identity becomes their new identity, and they're like, look at me, and I would say I'm guilty of that, absolutely. The fact that I'm doing this podcast right now, the fact that I've talked so much about the subject of identity and of, you know, embracing a certain formlessness as much as you can, because when you do this, you realize what things are truly nailed down to you. Uh, I mean, I think that's the big... If, if you don't learn other stuff, you know, if you learn nothing else, I mean, I, I think in pulling things apart and pulling yourself apart in a constructive way, and think about that, pulling yourself apart in a constructive way, in deconstructing yourself in some sort of, with some sort of purpose, uh, you know, you will find, oh, these are the things that are just a part of me, biologically, you know, mentally. These are certain, you know, grooves that just are there and they seem to have always been there. But at least I can trace them back. At least I know those are the things that are, if not completely unchangeable, they're at least nailed down quite a bit deeper than everything else. Quite a bit deeper than all these other random nails that I've just like hammered into myself with a patchwork of interests and ideas and thoughts and experiences. At least I can kind of figure out what's more ingrained. But it's easy to make that your identity, where I'm the, I'm the guy who has no identity. That's my identity. And that's where you end up in a double bind. That's where you end up with this weird you know, cognitive dissonance where you're just like, oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who doesn't have the identity. And, and people will use that as an opportunity. They'll attach that to some sort of you know, spiritual practice or something, and then that becomes their new identity. Because in taking all that stuff apart, there's a part of people that's screaming. Like inside, they're like... I've got to. I've got to replace this with something else. Uh, I've got to replace. If I quit doing that, I've got to replace it with this. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's important. Uh, I think with addiction in particular, if you've ever if you've ever had any kind of dependence or addiction of any kind, I think replacing it with a healthier addiction or discipline. I think. I think you know the healthy variation of. I mean, I think I don't want to spiral off on this topic too much. We're not talking about screws, spiral screws. We're talking about nails. Uh, but, uh, you know, addiction and discipline to me are the same things. Because when you're doing something over and over again and you just feel compelled to do it and you almost do it unconsciously as, as in addiction... That's a that's a form of discipline, and I, I know I've used the example on this show before of like every time you go get up from the couch and go to the cupboard and get some like handful of chips or whatever else. If you're like me, every time you get up and and you smear peanut butter on a saltine cracker and drop a bunch of chocolate chips on it like some nasty cookie, uh, every time you get up and do that, that's a form of discipline. You're doing it over and over again. It's almost like a a, a form of malignant discipline. Uh, you know, so addiction and compulsion in that way to me are, are two sides of the same coin, uh, or the, the uh, addiction and compulsion are the other side of the, the same coin that discipline is on. Uh, so in that way, though, you replace that addictive tendency, that dependent tendency, that compulsive tendency, that tendency tendency with, uh, uh, with discipline. And 
with identity, it's very easy to want to do that too when you're kind of removing parts of yourself that you feel like are no longer serving you. And they might not be bad. They might not be something like an addiction. They might not be something that is just on its own bad, but you just feel like they're no longer serving you. You feel that you are changing or you have a desire to change. Something in you is telling you to change. And the easiest thing is to be like, well, I'm going to replace it with this. Everyone thinks of me as the jazz guy. Everyone thinks of me as the jazz guy. He, he listens to nothing but jazz, and he, you know, he talks about nothing but jazz. But you know, I, 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 it turns out I don't really like jazz no more. I don't like jazz no more. So I'm going to replace it with country music, and I'm going to become the country guy. That's my new thing, man. It's my new thing. Uh, it's easy to just think that way, to be like, i got to replace it with something else. And like I said, there are some times where that's necessary, I think, you know, sometimes. Uh, but when it comes to just your, who you are in the world, you know, what you're interested in, I don't think you have to replace it. And I think in allowing that space, very interesting things can happen. Because you think, what, what's your concern? Oh, I'm going to be bored. I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be, you know, I'm not going to have anything to fill my time. I'm not going to be able to distract myself as much. Well, what's going to happen if you stop distracting yourself? You know, give yourself that space. Give yourself that, you know, even if it feels empty, even if it feels lonely, I think sometimes you should give yourself that space rather than just try to fill something up. I mean, I think the best analog for that is the idea of a relationship. You know, so many people just go from one relationship to another. Uh, you know, there, there's really, you'll, you'll, you'll meet people. Like, I know people like this who, uh, I know people like this. I'm talking about you, about you, um, They'll, you know, have a boyfriend, and it's it's mostly girls. I mean, I'll just say that right off the bat. Like, you know, get mad at me all you want, girls. Uh, but it's mostly women that I see do this, and it's not a criticism. It's it's just an observation. Uh, but clearly, there, <laughs> clearly there's a critical tone to it, so who am I to say it's not a criticism? But it's not a deep judgment or anything like that. But I do see where women will will have a boyfriend, and it might not be like a long-term, serious relationship. It'll just, it could just be like casual dating or, you know, something like that. But I very often will see them go from one relationship to another, and, you know, not in some slutty way, not necessarily or anything like that, but just they'll, they have to have another one lined up and, and it just, it goes on and on and men do it too. Sure. Disclaimer, whatever. Uh, but I've, I've just observed it and having been friends with, with some of these women, you know, sometimes they'll, there'll be a conversation where they'll be like, you know, this time I'm going to take some space for myself. This time I'm really going to like work on myself for a while. And they don't. You know, or or that is like a two week period, you know, to where it's like, whoa, I guess you, you worked on yourself a lot during those two weeks. Uh, but during that month, oh, wow, a month. Uh, but you see that a lot where someone goes from one thing to the next. They think they have to replace that thing with another one because they don't want to deal with the emptiness. And people hear emptiness and it sounds scary. It sounds horrible. Holy shit. Emptiness. I've got to sit. What am I going to do? I'm. A, they think of in, in of emptiness as inherently sad, bad, and uh, negative. You know, just it's sad and it's bad. Emptiness is sad and bad. 
But there's a reason why emptiness is encouraged, you know, in various spiritual practices, for one. There's a reason why emptiness is seen as something of a goal, even, depending on what you believe, and trying to clear as much space as you can, trying to clear it out, undo those nails and not replace it. You know, it's people have the same approach to relationships as they do furniture. It's like, let's get rid of this piece of furniture and replace it with another. Got to get rid of this couch and replace it with another couch. Meanwhile, every time you buy a couch, you got to move it and you break your fucking back. Uh, and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy where the more you, the more couches you have in life, the worse off your back is going to be, and the more you're going to be forced to sit on that couch. But what happened if what happens if you don't even have a couch? You know, oh, you're not going to have any relationships because no relationship can exist if you don't have a couch. Because what are you going to do? What are you going to do in your relationship if you can't sit on a couch together? Uh, <laughs> uh, but that just to go back before I. Uh, spin off just that idea of like going from relationship to relationship you know uh that's a clear example where you know someone is afraid of that emptiness they're afraid of themselves they're afraid of that lack of identity there's a lot of people in life who they don't feel comfortable unless they can say we they when they're talking to their coworkers if they can't say we they feel like a pathetic failure without an identity we went to the pumpkin farm this weekend. We watched Stranger Things. Uh, if they can't say it like that, they feel like a failure. And maybe some of that is outside pressure, but I would encourage anyone who feels like that, who you know, just constantly feels the need to you know, be on Tinder or, or, or be going from one situation to another without any true break, without any true reflection, I'd be like, be willing to sit with that emptiness for a little bit, even if it's painful. I mean, it's especially painful in a relationship situation because there's a sense of loss. Whether you broke up with someone or they broke up with you, you have this sense of loss, and you think that that loss can only be filled with another person, another distraction. And I think most people know how it feels to try dating somebody too soon after breaking up with someone that they truly care about, and that's an even emptier feeling. When it's like, oh, I'm with this person who likes me, but they, but I'm just not in it. That's true emptiness, and it should be avoided. Maybe not true emptiness. I mean, that's the negative side of emptiness. I think true emptiness is much more neutral. True emptiness is just not having a couch in your house. But speaking of negativity and all that, I mean, I think that is pretty easy to understand, the idea of not immediately trying to replace an identity with an identity and being comfortable with just deconstructing yourself a little bit, as much as is necessary. It's like, I'm not saying, like, if you have an interest in something, you must remove it from your life, you know, because there are some things, like I said, that you're just always going to be drawn to, and you're just always going to like, and I think those are your passions. Those are the things that matter. Follow your passions, Nail them down. But you don't really need to nail those things down. I think that's the amazing thing about things that you have a true passion for, a true innate passion, is you don't really need to nail them to yourself. They just are kind of a part of you. And uh, who knows what that is? I don't know what that is. Um, but going to the idea, I just want to talk about like the negative side of nails, the negative nails. You know, it's funny to me that we are so worried about stepping on nails, Physically, literally, we're so terrified of stepping on nails. Are you going to the beach? You better be careful. Wear sandals or you'll see, you might step on a nail. Uh, 
if you're driving, it's not just walking. If you're walking barefoot with your own skin, your own skin feet, uh, there's that concern about stepping on a nail because it'll fuck you up. That little thing that they're everywhere, you know, uh, they're all around you, whether you realize it or not. When you're in a house, when you're using furniture, when you're doing anything, those things that are all around you, if those aren't secured, if the nails themselves aren't nailed down, you better worry. You better worry about them nails because they'll go through your foot. Everyone heard those stories growing up. Everyone has those stories. When I stepped on a nail and it went through my foot. I always heard those stories, though, and I'm like, it didn't go through your foot, did it? Like, every time I, everyone's, every time someone had a story about, like, stepping on a nail on a beach, I imagined it went all the way, like, it impaled them. Like, the sharp end went all the way through the top of their foot. Like, it was shish kebobbed. Uh... I don't think that happens nearly as much as I thought it did. (laughs) I think people maybe just got a deep cut, a deep jab from a nail, and then there's the whole rusty nail thing. Uh, That nail's extra sick. You see that nail with all the rust on it? That means that it's sick. (laughs) Some nails are are sick. That's what rust is. It's it's a sickness. It's a disease that's spread only among nails. A lot of them. But uh, if a nail isn't in something, if a nail isn't nailed down, there's a good chance that it's going to get sick. It's going to get rusty. But it's like not just walking around on a beach barefoot when we're concerned about a nail, but it's also driving. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, I got a nail in my car. I didn't go on any weird roads. I didn't go on any, on any back roads or anything like that. I wasn't, I wasn't doing wheelies in construction sites. I was just driving on the main roads and... I got home and realized I had a flat tire, and there was apparently a nail in there. Uh, if the guy from AAA is right, there was a nail in there. Uh, but uh, the guy from AAA, there's an identity. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you'll get a nail in your car. It's a great concern. I mean, being a person, for, for as much as nails are associated with these static solitary things like maybe not solitary but as much as their nails are associated with these unmoving static objects like desks houses shelves uh it's funny to me that our biggest concern when you know being mobile you know when moving out and about one of our biggest concerns is stepping on a nail Uh, it's not just something i don't know it's like it's just funny to me that that's such a big concern. That nails are everywhere. We might step on them. We might drive over them. It's going to fuck us up whether we're on foot or in a vehicle. Nails will fuck you up. And maybe that's why I worry about nailing certain identities down. Maybe I, I worry, and I think, for, I think rightfully so, based on my own experience, that nailing yourself down to a certain identity, nailing a certain identity, because it goes both ways. You nail yourself down to these identities. You nail yourself down to these external things as much as these external things are nailed to you. It's not just the nails are going into you. The nails are going through you, and they're going into other things as well. It's a two-way street of nails, and be careful when you drive over it, you know, so that you don't get one stuck in your tire. Uh, but no, it really does work that way, where things get nailed to you, and you nail yourself to other things. And, uh, you know, I think there's a rightful 
you're, I think you're rightfully concerned if you don't want to get nailed down to too many things. And I, I don't mean like committing. I don't because that's another thing is oh, I'm nailed down to a relationship. I'm nailed down. I don't want to be nailed down. And I think that's a, a valid concern. Although I think people do fear responsibility and commitment, and they should be able to make a distinction between the positive things that they can nail themselves down to. Because it's not just that it's all bad. It's not all bad uh, to be nailed down. But I think you just have to, you know, be strategic. You have to learn to be a carpenter. Here, let's get really cheesy. Learn to be a carpenter and learn where to put those nails. Be strategic about where you place those nails. And you might have to pull many of them out throughout your life. You might be in a continual process of placing nails and pulling them out and hammering them and you know, some of them are going in at angles, so you have to pull, even if you're in, that's the thing too, is even if the nails are in the right place, you might hammer it in wrong, and it gets bent, and you have to pull it out, or use another nail, and that doesn't mean the place is wrong, but it means, you know, you didn't do it right, it wasn't the right nail, so the, the, you can go, this, this is like a multi-dimensional topic, you know, you can go very deep on this, I can get overcomplicated. Uh, I don't have the whole idea nailed down, uh, but it's there. There's something to all of this. And I think nails are a great way to look at your life experience, your interests, and ultimately your identity. And it's funny to me, too. Here we go. It's been almost an entire episode without any Christian reference that I can think of. And then you have Jesus with the, the nails in his hands. And that's a, a heavy symbol. You know, there's a lot of symbolism there. Jesus with the the nails in his wrists through his hands, whatever, however the depiction is. Uh, so it even goes that deep. It's even used as part of, you know, Western uh, spiritual symbolism, the idea of being nailed to a cross. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, and I, th- I do feel that that's what people do. They nail themselves to certain things, to certain, whether it's a cross or just something completely arbitrary. And, you know, sometimes the cross is arbitrary and sometimes it's not. I don't know. It's stupid. I don't need to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, But it it is funny that this symbol of the nail comes up in so many different ways. Uh, It's used in so many different ways. And, uh, And you look at things like Ikea and like modern furniture where you can build it without doing, without using any nails. It's like you just turn this thing, you just, here, it comes with these little things that you push in. And so we're even at the point where we're avoiding building things with nails, if at all possible. We're scared of nails. We are scared. And what happens when you pull something like that apart? What happens when you pull furniture apart? You know, you think about a desk with these nails, and you pull those nails out, and you just have these pieces of wood. And those pieces of wood aren't the original thing either. Because I don't think about furniture around my house. I don't think like, oh, that's just a nailed together collection of, you know, flat wood. And then you pull it apart and you have these pieces of wood. But those pieces of wood were taken from something else too. You know, those pieces of wood aren't naturally occurring as they are, even when the nails have been pulled out. And maybe that's a good way to think about it. You know, when you do deconstruct yourself, when you do pull those nails out of yourself... Uh, you know, what you're left with isn't necessarily you either. Whatever, like, free-floating pieces are left aren't necessarily the original, naturally occurring 
elements of you either. And they come from somewhere. They sure seem to. But I don't necessarily think you need to dwell on that. You know, because you could deconstruct yourself forever. You know, once you pull the nails out, you could start looking at other things and, and being like, well, how, how was that forced together? How was that shaped or molded in some way that might not entirely be who I am either? And you could go forever, and for some people that's attractive. For me it is. I like to keep going. Once the nails are out, I don't like to stop there. I like to keep going. But I don't, I don't think that's necessarily good for everyone. Some people should just be like, well, I'm left with these pieces of wood. Maybe there's something I can do with them. They don't need to think about the tree. They don't need to think about the roots of the tree. They don't need to think about the seed. They don't need to keep going back further and further. You know, they were like, I just wanted to pull these nails apart because I wasn't entirely happy with my life. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't need to think about where the wood from the desk comes from and where the tree comes from and where everything before that comes from, the dirt. You know, I don't need to think about that. But it's interesting to consider. It's interesting to go as deep as you can if you have the, the time, the patience, the capacity to do it. But I do recommend looking at the ways in which, you know, you've hammered these nails in throughout your life and just try pulling a couple of them out and see what happens. You know, you might get some momentum and pull a lot of them out and you might find that you want to put them right back. And that's another option that's available to you. Because it turns out there are plenty of nails. Just don't step on them. This land is mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free.